Hey everyone, I am Reva and just want to take a moment and thank you for listening to our studio podcast. Although we are here in Greenville, South Carolina, we are grateful for your support to see the message of Jesus go out all over the world. In case you are not aware, we have a YouTube channel, which you can find the link in our podcast bio. We hope you enjoy this week's talk and it encourages you and it helps you to be the human God designed you to be. So with that, let's get right to it. Like Adam said earlier, I was in Oklahoma last week, yes, visiting my family, and then I flew to Dallas yesterday morning, taught a dance convention, got on a plane, and got here around 10.45 last night. So it's great. We made it, and it's awesome. Um, But I have to tell you, my parents have 80-plus acres in Oklahoma. Yeah, and that might be some of your guys' dreams. It's not mine. Um, And so they have this pond that is literally so big that it's considered a small lake, so you can fish. Yes, again, does it look like, yeah, it's great. I don't know where I came from. Um, And then they, they have chickens, they have a garden, all the things. And I didn't share this story with the first uh, service because my mom was here and she's not anymore. So I'm going to share this story because I didn't want her to feel bad, right? But the first day we get there, uh, my mom does everything for my kids. Yes, she's a grandma, right? And so my oldest daughter rock climbs. So she, she bought this um, kind of like a line that you put between two trees and it's like a ninja warrior course. No big deal, right? Okay, so, so they're playing on that in the country. I'm going to remind you. Okay. So my oldest daughter is like, hey, mom, can you come help me with something? And I'm like, yeah, that's great. So I walk outside and I'm helping them. And my daughter is in flip-flops, right? Because again, we don't hang out in the country very often. So she's in flip-flops and uh, my youngest daughter is like, help me. So I'm holding her on, you know, trying to get to the handlebars. And I just happen to look down and I see this snake that is curled up, ready to strike within like that far away from my daughter's flip-flop shoes. (sighs) Yes, thank you. That is what my heart was doing. So I just happened to grab her, her little arm, very calmly, which is by all means God. I hope you understand this. I grabbed her and I just said, hey, come here for a second. And I just grabbed her and moved her this way. I grabbed my daughter's hanging on the, yes. I grabbed her and I just pull her off. And I call for my older brother, and I'm like, hey, listen, I think this is kind of a bad snake over here. And he says, no, 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 it's probably just a grass snake. No, guys, it was a pygmy rattlesnake. Yes, yes, that was just, yeah, that was my first day in the country. Great. So anyways, it got better, yes, for, yeah, but I have learned that the country is not my jam. Yes, and uh, I love that my parents have moved out there, but uh, I'm there to visit and then leave, and it's great, and it's perfect. (laughs) Yeah, it's real. Um, But anyways, what was so cool, um, and it kind of took me back as I get older, I probably wouldn't have cared so much when I was younger, but there was actually four generations that were there, and uh, my grandma was there, and she is 90 years old. And then you had my parents, and then my brothers, and their wives, and then me, and then my kids, right? So it's so cool. There's four different generations. And my grandmother, who's 90, currently left halfway through my trip there to go to Taos with her friends on a road trip. She's 90 years old. And so I'm like, you travel more than I do. That's crazy. Um, But yeah, so there's my genes. But what was so cool 
is that I got to sit on the porch. It's a screened-in porch, or else I wouldn't be out there. And, um, and we were sitting out there, and I just started asking my grandmother some questions. Because my grandma and grandpa grew up in the Methodist church, and um, they got a hold of a book that talked to them about the Holy Spirit. And they got wrecked. And um, they actually ended up getting kicked out of their Methodist church um, because they were like, what is this Holy Spirit thing? So they started holding a, um, a house church, which back then wasn't, you know, a house church that was not even the language. And so they started holding gatherings at their house so that people could come and be filled with the Holy Spirit in this little tiny town in Texas. And I was just so blown away that I'm like, man, I had to take a step back because I know I'm special and unique. The fact that I have lineage in my family of people that have loved God and gone after him no matter the cost. And I was like, man, that is so cool. Yeah. Anyways. So, are you ready? I'm excited. Memories. You know me. If you don't know me, I like science, so I'm just, I'm not going to go too much into it, but I'm going to do it a little bit. But the way your brain works, it processes memories um, in three different ways. One, in sensory. So like if you touch a cat, it says, this is soft. And you're like, oh yeah. And then you stop touching the cat and that memory goes away. Does that make sense? We were talking about that on the way. I want you to, maybe you won't care, but like Emily was talking about how if you smell or like you hear a song or you see something, you can describe that sound, but touch, when you touch it, you can't describe what that feels like later on in life. I don't know. It's kind of mind blowing to me, but then there's short-term memory. And what's crazy about short-term memory is that it actually only holds so much. It's got a very small capacity. So if you keep sticking stuff in your short-term memory, it will start erasing the things <laughs> out. Yes, this is why I can't remember things sometimes because I have so much info going in. But long-term memory, that's what we're going to go after. See, um, going back to my grandparents, my grandfather is no longer alive. And um, I have to tell my kids stories about him so that they will remember all the things that have been passed down to him, through to them, from him. And one of the things is that every time I would go visit him in Texas, I would be like, oh man, I would be the first grandchild to wake up because I knew at 4.30 and 5 in the morning, yes, he would be at the kitchen table reading his word and three other books and he would read chunks of them every day, and then he would journal. I actually, this is very cool, but I actually can go throughout my whole life. When he passed away, my mom inherited them. I have journals for his whole life. I can actually see my whole life because he journaled about me. Isn't that crazy? I'm like, I gotta start writing. Anyways, but I would creep down and I would sit next to him and uh, he would just smile, he wouldn't even look up. And he would tell, he would start reading whatever scripture he was reading, except when it would say I or you, he would change and put my name in it. So as a kid, you can see, I was super excited because the Bible had put my name. And if you don't know my name, my name is Shana. It is not in there. Do you know? Okay. And so that was kind of disappointing when I got older, but super special growing up. And I was like, oh my gosh, my name is in the Bible. Yeah, I'm not Sarah. It's not in there. Anyways. And also, like any time he would read books, it would, he would pull it up and he would be like, oh, you know, it says that Shana needs to blah, 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 blah. And, um, and I was like, this is amazing. 
But it's one of the things that I share to my kids because it is actually a long-term memory. And because I share it, it actually never fades away. Because long-term memory, it actually has the capacity to hold unlimited data in there. Pretty dang cool. We are amazing computers. No big deal. And, um, and what's crazy is that if you don't access those long-term memories, they will actually start to fade away. And so you actually have to recognize or bring them back into recalling them so that they will stay in that long-term memory. Does that make sense? So if I want to remember my lineage of where my grandpa has done and what he poured into me and give it to my kids, I have to recall that so that doesn't get wiped away. Are we there? Does that make sense so far? Great. I'm great. So one of the things that I'm like, man, I got to research this. So I'm like, how do I keep, this is my brain, how do I keep those memories inside of my brain? (laughs) Or how do I make things that I'm experiencing, those short-term memories, and how do I make them long-term memories? So I'm Googling, right? And uh, (laughs) experts have this thing that they called spaced repetition. Yes. They say actually cramming Really, like, you know, we've all been there when you try to cram for a test. They say that actually is the worst way to learn. <laughs> Great. Glad that I'm learning this now before I went to college. And um, they actually said that space repetition means that you think about it, you study it, and then you let time go past. And then you bring it back up. And then you let time go past. And then you bring it back up. Does that make sense? And if you keep doing that, then those short-term memories turn into long-term memories or those long-term memories will stay long-term memories. Cool, right? Okay, so are we tracking? All right, now let's get into the word. No big deal. Uh, Joshua 3, chapter 3, verse 6 through 8. Yeah, it's going to get good. We're going to start with verse 6, and we're going to go through 8. And it says, Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. And tell the priest who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, go and stand in the river. Okay. Now, stop for a second. Most of us know the story. If you don't, I'm going to give you a little backstory. Moses has died. Joshua is taking over. Are we there? Everybody got it? Okay, cool. They're still in the wilderness. <laughs> They've been walking around for a while. Okay, cool. And God speaks to Joshua and he says, hey, I want to show the people that I'm with you just like I was with Moses. So Joshua starts to gather the Israelites and he's like, hey, I want to show you that Jesus is still with us, that God is still with us. And so I want you to follow the ark. Wherever the ark goes, you go. Okay. Are we there? Okay. So what's crazy is, and you can read this in verse 14, is that the ark goes, the priests are carrying the ark. And um, I just think you should, like, let's take a second and breathe because the ark of the covenant is where the spirit of God resides. And it says in the 14 and 15 verse, it says that the, the river, the Jordan River was flooded. Okay. Has anybody ever seen a river that is flooded? Okay. It's not like a little 
trickle, trickle, you get to just walk in, right? No. It's like gushing. It's like moving, right? Like very fast. And people can die because the current is so strong, right? So it's flooded. And so this is what I love because Joshua tells the priest, hey, I need you to take the Ark of the Covenant, (laughs) most precious thing. I need you to put it on. I need you to step into that river. Could you, I mean, just maybe this is me, but I'm like, oh man, I hope God is with us because I don't want to (laughs) drop the very thing (laughs) that holds the presence of God in here, right? So sweating, that's what I would be doing. And so they walk to the edge of the river and they step in and all of a sudden it dries up. Second time that God has done this. It dries up. And then everybody gets to walk on dry land. Now, what's crazy is that is an epic story. I mean, it's a wild, crazy story that kind of mind blows because we're like, I'm gonna, can we get, we're family, right? Can I go? Okay, here we go. Nope. Great. I feel like sometimes, this is a little side tangent, but I feel like we're sitting here in worship and we're like, God, yes, I want to feel the goosebumps. And I'm like, do you see what he was doing in the Old Testament? He was parting waters. I don't want to be satisfied with just feeling goosebumps. I want to trust him enough that I'm like, oh, you want me to step in this river? Great. But that happens with knowing and hearing the story. So this is the part. Go to chapter 14. This gets so good. In Joshua. Oh. 19 through 24. On the 10th day of the first month, I love that, it tells us when, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal and the eastern border of Jericho, and Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. And he said to the Israelites, in the future when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. This is it. Listen. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. Now, here we go. Are you ready? 24. He did this so that all, all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord. So God asked Joshua, hey, I want you to build this physical representation of this wild, crazy story that I just did. So that when not just the Israelites come walking down and see that, it says so that all people, because God knew what was going to happen, that he was going to adopt us into his bloodline. He was going to bring us into that. So he said, hey, I want you to build this physical representation of this insane story so that when you walk by it, that you can remember, like our long-term memory, you can remember what God has done. And so you can, if you're trying to stand for something, you can be like, oh no, God literally parted the Red Sea. I think he can take care of my finances. But you don't do that until you are able to share stories and remind people what he's done. If we stop sharing the stories of what God has done in our lives, then how will the next generation know him 
or fear him. I go to a lot of dance conferences. I teach dance, and I'm the youth pastor here, so I deal with a lot of youth most of my life, right? Almost every day of the week, especially when I travel. And one of the things that I get when I go teach at these different dance conventions, I get parents coming up talking to me after my classes, and they're like, hey, my kids listen to you better than they listen to me. And I'm like, okay, yeah, but I'm in their life for all the 24 hours, and I come in, and I'm like, cool, and I show them how to dance, and that makes sense, right? I'm not there when they're in their bad mood. I'm in their, like, in their lives when it's like their best day of their life. They get to take dance for 24 hours. Anyways, but I actually tell them, even when it's not a Christian convention, I actually go and I tell them, hey, that is a lie from the enemy that they don't want to hear your voice. Because if you don't tell them where they come from, something else will. And I need to tell you guys this, because if you don't know where you come from, and you don't remind yourself, then something or someone will. And it's crazy. Because guys, oh, this gets so good. I have to slow down because I'm getting so excited. But there's a psychologist Yes, by the name of Jerome Bruner. And he discovered that when stories are used to communicate a message, people remember them 20 time, 22 times more than facts and figures alone. There's a quote that I got from a really famous marketing website, and they teach marketing. And it says, when done right, storytelling remains one of the most effective ways for businesses to capture their target audience's attention and deliver marketing messages. There is companies spending billions of dollars to tell you stories. They're investing billions of dollars because they know if they can tell you the right story, that it will get into your long-term memory and you'll be like, yes, I need those Nikes. Yes, I need those really bad. I mean, come on, there was an ad that Nike did for women and it got passed all around because it was just like this roaring like women empowerment. And I was like, yes, I'm gonna go buy Nike, right? They're like great storytellers. But for some reason, we feel like we have to have permission before we can tell our story. And I'm telling you, the Lord is waiting for you to tell this story because it's going to remind the next generation what they can walk in. And if we're trying to raise a generation, the next generation, there's got to be lineage. There's got to be storytelling because I know what I've walked through. I know what I've seen God do, but my kids haven't yet. They've lived this much of life. I've lived this much. My careers live this much, and my great-grandmothers live, you know what I mean? Like, and so I'm like, when she tells me stories about meeting the Holy Spirit generations before I was born, and she's telling me what God's done in our lives, then when something takes place in mine, I'm like, oh, man. I don't have to worry about that because I know I can trust in God because God's done this. And that is so cool. And I'm trying to tell you that the world does not need statistics and facts of why they need to follow Jesus. It doesn't work. Trust me, I'm out there all the time. But when I tell them stories about a God that transformed my life when I was at my lowest point, 
it passes any kind of knowledge and it pierces their heart. Your story is needed. Your story could set someone free. Your story could be the very thing that brings people to the feet of Jesus. Your story could bring the next revival. I mean, I remember, guys, when I was in youth group, that was a while ago, <laughs> but the Brownsville revival was happening. And um, I knew nothing about it. Nothing. And my youth pastor at the time got a hold of a VHS. Yes, that, yep. And, um, and he invited us over and he plugged it in. And it was the youth of the Brownsville revival. And I was watching them in front of the stage, weeping and having these encounters with God that was wrecking and changing their lives. I didn't even know that was possible. But when I saw the story and what God was doing in these kids' lives, I was like, I want that. Why is that not happening in Oklahoma? I want that. And from then on, our entire youth group for years were having these encounters with God where my parents waited hours for us to get out of youth because God was moving. And that happened because someone gave us permission from their story. Your story matters. The raw, gritty story matters. Don't sugarcoat it. Have you read the Bible? They didn't sugarcoat it. There's some parts where I'm like, dear God, can't read that to my kids yet. Put that on the shelf for a second. But your story matters, and it releases freedom. So, you know me, we like to do things a little different. So I've asked a few people to come up, and they're going to briefly share what God has done in their life. And if that's you, and you're like, man, I'm actually walking through that, and I haven't seen victory, then they're going to pray over you. Because I want to show you that there's power of testimony and there's power of story. And when you see someone else do it, then you're like, oh, yeah, that's it. So if I talk to you, come up, come up, come up. Yes, you, and yep, come on. Here we go. You guys ready? This gets so cool. Yeah, here we go. (laughs) Now I want to share all my stories. Anyway, uh, I had a friend call me, and she said that she had a friend whose child was in the hospital and uh, couldn't get his fever down and needed help. So I went, and I prayed, and while I was praying, an angel showed up. The kid got healed. And his whole Mormon family got saved. So, if you want prayer, now's the time. Okay? Just reach out your hand. And I'm going to pray for healing. And we're just going to release the Lord in this place to bring healing. So, if you need healing, raise your hand now. Okay? Hmm. And with the story that Shana shared, man, my faith is high. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you for story, Lord. God, I thank you for the stories of how Jesus moved and people were touched and lives were transformed. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for the story that Shana shared, Lord, of her dad being touched and, and, and healed, Lord. And God, I pray now for a release of your healing power in this room, Lord. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be touching lives right now, bringing the power of the resurrection 
into their physical bodies, Lord. Father, I release your resurrection power in this room right now. Lord, heal in Jesus' name. I speak health in Jesus' name. Health in Jesus' name. Be whole in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, this past year, I went through one of the hardest seasons of life, like hard, hard. And I grew up in the church, and I've always known God as God the Father. But during that season, I felt like I experienced God as my friend. Um, so for anyone who's feeling lonely or for anyone who's just in a really hard season, um, I just pray that you that you would know the tangible presence of the Lord, that you would know the Lord as your friend, that you would know the Lord as the one who sits with you, the one who cries with you, the one who laughs with you, the one who likes to talk to you, the one who's okay if you're mad, the one who's okay if you're disappointed, Yeah, that you would know the Lord as your friend. I need to do two. I just, I want to, um, yeah, Holy Spirit's kind of working on me. First one is um, carpal tunnel. I'm a computer guy. I spend a lot of time in front of a computer. Anybody that does any amount of work, you know, carpal tunnel can, it's, um, can be crippling. So I, a couple of years ago, just out of nowhere, my, my, my wrist started to freeze up. I could feel it coming. Had a quick conversation with a friend who's a doctor, and he's like, yep, that's carpal tunnel. You need to go get one of those little brace things. I got it, put it on, and I'm like, I can't work with this stupid thing. And at the time, I was commuting to work. I had about an hour drive to work every day. And the, the next morning I get up, I'm driving, and the Lord just says to me, you know healing, pray. And I'm like, okay, all right, Jesus, <laughs> in my car, Jesus, you need to heal my, you need to heal my carpal tunnel, because this is like, I, I need this. And I was just driving, worshiping, listening to some music. I get into work, and I didn't think about it. And about lunchtime, I'm walking out. I, go, I used to go for a walk at lunchtime just to get out of the building, and I'm walking, and I'm suddenly doing this, and I'm like, it's gone. There's nothing. And I'm just like, actually, goosebumps. But I just a simple prayer. So I just want to release, as Mike said, simple prayers. God's not interested in how fancy your prayer is. It's a simple prayer of faith. So if you or anybody you know that needs healing, and I get a sense for two things, wrists, so carpal tunnel, wrist movement, elbows, shoulders, or your back. I just want to release healing over you. Simple healing in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, that you are the God that cares about every part of our body. No matter how big or small or significant, you are in the business of healing. So I thank you for that complete healing, motion, movement, flexibility. I release that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. The second one, real quick. 
I feel like I'm going over time, is financial breakthrough. Um, I have dozens and dozens of financial breakthrough stories. We've had it in our lives many, many times. And I just want to share one real quick uh, fun story. A little silly in a way, but this is the goodness of God. We, we leased a car, probably the second one when we've been in the States 25 years, but probably the second or third car, third car we, we leased. Walked in there, the guy's like, no money down, lease. I'm like, oh, this is cool. You know, like, no money out of my pocket. This is an amazing deal. Well, I did a five-year lease. Anybody know about cars and financing? Five-year leases are not good deals. But no money down, so, oh, that's cool. Then I went and a year into it, we tried to get out of our lease. That didn't happen. And the Lord said to me, be faithful with this lease. I said, fine. Long story short, we turned it in after five years. We had to find a dealership to go turn it into because that dealership had shut down. We turned it in, and I was 25,000 miles over my lease. I went, I looked at it. We owed them money. We owed them about between three and five grand just to pay out the lease, uh, the extra mileage. Turn it in. The guy says, fill in the paperwork. I said, what about the money we owe you? And he says, no, no, they'll call you. The company will call you and tell you how much you owe. So I said, that's fine. We waited. But three weeks later, we get a check in the mail for three and a half grand. And I'm like, okay, this is wrong. I said to my wife, I'm calling, don't cash the check because we owe them money. I know we owe them money. I phoned them up. That lady says, what's the problem? I said, we owe you money. How much do we owe you? She says, no, sir, we owe you the check. I'm like, how do we owe you the check? She says, well, when you bought the car, you put a deposit down. I'm like, I didn't put anything down. So I go back, look at my paperwork. They had done some credit Three and a half grand credit, some, I don't know, some promo thing that they did back in the day to get you to buy the car. That was how I got no money out of my pocket. They refunded us that check. And I'm like, okay, I didn't give you money, but you're giving me money. I said, what about the overage mileage? She says, there's no overage. She says, you're fine. And I'm sitting there going, God, what do I do? And he says, you were faithful with your lease. It's all good. So I said to her again, I said, are you 100% sure I don't owe you any money. She said, we are square. I said, can you send me a letter? She said, I will send you a letter. (laughs) We then cashed the check. That is the goodness of God. We were faithful through that five-year lease, and God honored our faithfulness. And we have had that multiple times where, you know, God can redeem our bad decisions financially or otherwise. He's a God of the Redeemer. So I want to release those that have made bad mistakes, if they are financial or otherwise, God can redeem those things. So I just release that redemption power of God over your lives. He can redeem and bless your finances, and He can provide. I have literally hundreds of stories of financial provision in our lives, my own stories plus other people's stories, but my own stories, our family stories, we have dozens of financial provision. God will breathe life on your finances. So I thank you, Father, for everybody here and everybody that hears this, Father, just for a breakthrough and a redemption over their finances in Jesus' name. Guys, got one more. Like, look at this. This is just four people picked out. Come on. Watch this. 
She did the wrong thing. She gave the mic to a history teacher who's the son of a preacher. <laughs> so settle in. No, so that Shane and I asked, you know, uh, about a story about, you know, breakthrough and what God's doing in an amazing way. And I'm like, oh, there's these cool things, but I couldn't get this one out of my head. I don't know why. So maybe it's for somebody, but it's some stuff I'm having to work through right now. So you said, when you said raw and real, right? So try to do this. So stop it. So. Uh, about six months ago, Eric was preaching message, and you know, uh, so I was sitting right over there. And it's one of those things that you you hear it all the time in church. If you got something to lay at the foot of the cross, just give it to Jesus. And I'm like, now, okay, I grew up in the church all the time. Yep, I know that one. And so I'm sitting there praying, and and I'm like, all right, Lord, what do I need to let go of? And He said, control. And I was like, oh. I, that one did not come. I wasn't expecting that. And then I said, I'm not con- arguing with God. <laughs> I said, I'm not controlling. He said, the second whammy, you have trust issues. And you control who you give access to your life too much. And you are guarding your heart way more than you need to. And I was shocked, and I'm sitting there, wait a minute, I'm like, all these friends, and I like, I love people. And then I didn't, I was just didn't want to say, and he said, you never had a chance to grieve your brother. And that one's completely out of left field. So I'm 54, and when I was three, uh, my three-month-old brother unexpectedly died. Um, never knew I had a brother till I was about nine. We didn't talk about it. Um, and um, that was six months ago and in the six months since I've been on a journey with reconnecting with Ben who was my brother and if you know my son Ben that's who he's named after and so working through a lot of this um, one day I was in the shower of all places where epiphanies often happen. <laughs> and I had just been telling Angela, you know, I, I grieve the fact I never had the chance to be a brother. To a physical brother. And so I'm sitting there in the shower minding my own business. And I hear this voice say, you're a good big brother. You've always been a good big brother. And I'm proud of you. The life you've lived, you've lived for us both. You've given me an amazing sister that I can't wait to meet. And you've given me three incredible nephews that I can't wait to see. And I'm still with you on the rest of the journey. And I just sobbed. I told a friend of this about this, and he just smiled real big, and he said, sometimes God gives us some really big kisses. 
and that was mine. So, if you are or have ever grieved someone that you've not had an opportunity to settle with, I'm asking that you allow God to heal your heart, that you let him in, and that you let him deal because he'll do it in the kindest, gentlest way. So if there's anyone here who has grieved someone or you don't even know that you're grieving it, but there's someone that you feel like you need to either let go or welcome in. Because I've had to welcome in Ben. Had him here. The little brother I didn't know. Now he's here. So I just pray, Father, healing upon any heart tonight. First of all, Lord, that there'll just be a willingness to get raw and real and let you in to do heart work, Father, in a way that only you can. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit just hmm, heals in a very gracious way, Lord, in a loving way. Lord, I just, I just pray your love upon any hurting heart tonight. I pray uh, your peace upon any life for someone who's lost someone who's, who they love. And Father, that, that you will reassure that you're with them every step of this journey. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for that reassurance. And Lord, I thank you for the promise that Ben and I will hug one day. And Father, I praise your name for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, give it. We're going to finish tonight again. We're wrapping up, but we're going to finish it differently. I want to say one thing. I know everyone's lineage is different here on this earth. I know, especially I'm married to someone who has a very different past and a very different upbringing. But I want to speak to that really quickly and say that your lineage, when you accept Jesus into your life, that you step into that adoption and you step into his lineage, which means the things, the stories, what you read, those are your stories. That's what you get to walk in because that is what we inherited when Jesus died on the cross. So I want to speak to that. The second thing is, and this is what we're going to finish with, and I know that a lot of you guys, this is your first time at studio, but one of the things that is so unique about studio is that we are family, and I know that that's said a lot in church and maybe sometimes not really meant, but I can say, being here for two years, that we've walked life together. And so when you don't have that father or that mother figure to speak into you, we have people here that are ready to be moms and dads and grandparents and uncles and aunts to speak that lineage into you. So that if you're going through something, this is where we start to open up and find that community and say, hey, I don't have the faith in this, and we find the stories. So we're not doing a hard close because we are going to finish a little differently. And before you leave, you have to go find someone in this room. 
And I would prefer it to be a different generation than what you are in. And I would love for you just to share, it doesn't have to be long, but I'd love for you to share one story of what God has done in your life. And if you don't have that, then listen to the person that can speak that into your life. And I will tell you, we did this in the first service, and it was so cool. Because God partnered people together that were battling some of the same things that that person had a testimony in. So just trust in the fact that when you go and you tell someone a story, there's also freedom when you share your story. Because I think sometimes we forget what God has done in our life. And when we get to share it with someone, there's this moment of, oh my gosh, there's an awe moment of the Lord. There's an awe moment because there's hope when there's no hope. And there's joy when there's no joy. I mean, like, he is the living water for my life. So when I tell my story to people, it makes me step back and be like, God, I would not be here without you. So it's going to be awkward. Yes, we love this. Um, But please, go find someone. Yeah, the youth tried to leave, and I made them come back. Yes. So don't leave. This is vulnerability. And I, yes, I need to lock the doors, right? Bar the doors. I know this is hard, but I'm telling you, there's something that we're building here. We are going after being a multi-generational church. And we need those different generations to speak to each other, to talk about where we're going and where we've been. We need the young youth kids to say, hey, we're going after this. And we need the grandparents being like, yeah, that's awesome. Hey, watch out for this bump right here. That's what we need. And that happens when we come together and talk. Yes? So I love you guys. Thank you for letting me speak today. But we're going to end this a little differently. And I want you guys to go share it. Thanks for listening to today's talk. If you're interested in learning more about Studio here in Greenville, you can go check out our website, studiogreenville.com, and you can give us a follow on Instagram. Our handle is studio.greenville. Have a great week.